Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. We are uh, in this parsha this morning of Vayishlach. So we are going to engage with the first third of every parsha, right? We're looking because we've done this now for three years together. The Jewish world that reads on the triennial cycle are all reading the first third of every portion uh, this year. So we too are going to do that. But I don't want to start at the very, very, very beginning exactly because we don't ever get very far. Which is a good thing, but we get about four verses done in an hour. So I would like us to start a little in to the text. So let's see, where are we going to start? Uh, let's somewhere. That's where I want to get to, definitely. All right. So let, yeah, let's let's look at chapter thirty-two, verse twenty-three, and I'll take a minute to set it up. So we are at the because remember we skip two thirds of every parsha, uh, which means we've missed some of the story that's happened from where we were last week. So let's remind ourselves where we are. Yaakov, our patriarch, whose you know, narrative we're in right now, Yaakov has stolen the blessing from his brother Esav, his twin brother Esav, right? We, we were back at when he was we're looking at the two of them. He takes his birthright, um, trades it for stew, and then uh, at the end of last week, he uh, takes the blessing of the firstborn by tricking his father, right? He pretends to be Esau, wears Esau's clothes so that he smells like Esau, feels like Esau. Um, so, of course, the famous uh, scene is that Yitzchak says, the hands are the hands of Esau, the voice is the voice of Jacob. So something's up. It's the voice of Jacob, but the hands of Esau. The rabbis have a field day with that. Um, and we're gonna, that metaphor is going to continue. Remember that they're twins, Remember that they're grappling in Rivka's belly. We read that, right? So she's like freaking out about what's wrong with her pregnancy because it's, it's painful. Something's very wrong. Um, and it turns out that they're struggling already within her. So just take a minute to think about where the rabbis are going to go with that. Right? The twins struggling inside her. Right? This becomes uh, the metaphor that's going to be carried over for the rabbis into this morning's Parsha. Right, Diane? You can just let your imagination go crazy, right? Um, your mythic imagination that is so well developed. Uh, so, so they're very different, and now Esav is murderous. He is so angry that Yaakov has tricked him out of his blessing as the firstborn. So Rivka arranges for Yaakov to go away to her family in Haran, yes? So remember we had this whole uh, look at the map to see how far Haran so he's in, he starts in Beersheba, in the south of Israel. He goes up to northern Israel, over to Lebanon. Haran is in Syria, right? That's the kind of journey we're talking about. This is not a small deal. We're 20 years later. He made it to Haran. Rachel, Leah, the two concubines, lots of fertility battles. And 13 children later, right, 12 boys and Dina, uh, we get this, this narrative, that Yaakov has decided he's tired of the machinations of his father-in-law, Lavan, and he's ready to go back home. 
So what does going back home mean? Facing Esau. Facing Esau. Exactly right, Reuben. So he's, <coughs> he's, ve- he's a smart man, Yaakov, right? We know he's a, he's a master manipulator. So he's about to go back home. Esau is in control, right, of a lot of that region. He has no idea exactly how big Esau has gotten. But in 20 years, he's fairly successful, Yaakov, now, right? He's very wealthy. He's done very well for himself in his father-in-law's business. And now he is going to return. So he, being the master manipulator, decides, and this, this is the beginning of our Parsha that we're going to skip, he decides that he's going to take groupings of his flock, right? Because that's your wealth. If you're a semi-nomadic pastoralist, your wealth is your flock. That's what you have. So this is not an, a story of a settled agrarian society. This is a semi-nomadic pastoralist. So he's got all of his flocks, all of his herds, all of his people, all of his stuff. He's coming back, and he decides, what does he do, Bar Mitzvah, Justin? How does he decide to, to, to go back to meet Esau with all of this wealth? What is he going to do? He's coming with a bunch of people that could really make Esau not so happy that he's showing up in his territory with all this wealth. So what does he do? That's what he's going to do to his camp. What does he do for Esav? He sends... Oh, he sends a um, sheep forward to Esav. That's exactly right. He sends sheep and other parts of his herd forward in small groups, right, um, ahead of him. And as they get to Esav, they're instructed, when Esav says, who are you? What are you doing? The servants are instructed to say, these are for you from your servant Yaakov. And they are to bow to the ground, right? As in the ancient Near Eastern posture of respect, they are to go to their knees, forehead to the ground. You know, these are for you, gifts for you from your servant Yaakov. This happens over and over and over again as Esau's coming. He keeps getting met by groups of gifts and servants saying, these are from your servant Yaakov. Esav has come with 400 men. You mean Yaakov? Esav is coming because he hears Jacob's coming. He's coming. He's coming with 400 men. Justin, if someone comes with 400 men, what does that generally mean? They want to go to war. Exactly. So it's presumed that Esav is ready for war. So this is what Yaakov has set up, is for all these things to go ahead of him his only shot at propitiating his brother um, because he has his, his wives and children with him. All right, so let's go to 23. Someone read at 23. That same night he arose and taking his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 children, he crossed the ford of the Yabak. After taking them across the stream, he sent across all his possessions. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he wrenched Jacob's hip in its socket so that the socket of his hip was strained as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But he answered, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Said the other, what is your name? He replied, Yaakov. Said he, your name shall no longer be Yaakov, but Yisrael, for you have striven with beings divine and human and have prevailed. 
Yaakov asked, pray tell me your name. But he said, you must not ask my name. And he took leave of him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, meaning, I have seen a divine being face to face, yet my life has been preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping on his hip. That is why the children of Israel to this day do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the socket of the hip, since Yaakov's hip socket was wrenched at the thigh muscle. Thank you, Bert Kleinman. All right. Can I ask you something? I'm no. Sorry, I interrupt, but I, I'm just curious. So, so he left when he, but he got his father's birthright. So what does that mean? Esau seems like he inherited all of the fathers because he couldn't take it all with him. Right. So, so yeah. So I'm curious. What does he think he's going to come back? When, is that what Esau's a worried he's going to come back and take over? Okay. All right. So that's why I just wanted because I didn't think he took it with. Or, him. or even not take over, but if he's why is he coming back? Why is Yaakov coming back? He stole everything from Esau, and now he's coming back? What is Esau to, you know, Jacob didn't email him and say, you know, it's been 20 years, right? right? He, he just, Esau hears Yaakov's coming with his retinue, and he's very wealthy. Remember what that means, right? 13 Hummers filled with stuff, right? 13... Children, four wives, all of their servants. Like, he's moving back to the region. Asaph has to be really nervous about what that means. Or, or not, I don't know what he's, what he's feeling, but what he does is he rides out with 400 men. <laughs> right? Like, he's, you know. All right. So, so it's, Eve, it's this night that he had instructed all of his servants what to do. It's the night before he's crossing the Yabuk. So the river that he has to cross to get to the region is the Yabuk River, right? What is the name of our patriarch? Yaakov. You cannot miss this. Okay? This is, this, is, this is the part of the story and the text that we lose when we translate it, right? Yaakov and Yabuk, right? In Hebrew, they are very, they are related in terms of sound, as is the Hebrew about what's happening, what he's about to do. So he, he gets that night, he's, this is his last night before he, they cross the Yavok and really begin to push into um, Esau territory with no big barrier between them, right? So what does he do that night? He got up in the night, and he takes... Uh, his two wives, right, and his two concubines, and he takes them and takes them a across the yabuk, ma'avar yabuk, va'yavor et ma'avar yabuk. Right? You, you, the alliteration in the Hebrew is much nicer. I mean, or it, it enriches it enriches the story in a way we don't get in English. Va'yavor et ma'avar yabuk. So he is crossing at the crossing place of the Yabuk. Is there a sense here that he was asleep? It says he arose. No. What, he, he so meaning you, you're hanging out, you're giving instructions, oh, you're okay. the sheikh, you're giving instructions to everyone in he your camp. He g gets up and he goes to his family and he separates his family, right? Mm -hmm. He takes them across and he divides them into two camps. 
So, Justin, why does he divide them into two camps? Like a strategy for the war, maybe. And how is that a strategy? Because, like, one can attack and, like, the other can hold back for reinforcements. Okay. So, right, if Asaph attacks one, right, the other can get, let the little ones get away and, you know, the people left there can fight. What, you know, it, your chances are better if you divide everyone in two. But, but imagine Yaakov at this moment dividing his wives and his children into two camps, hoping one will survive. Right? I can't... Do you remember the movie Sophie's Choice? Okay, it wrecked me forever. Like, I, can't, I will never get the image out of my head. I wish I'd never seen that film. Can I just tell you? There's some things you can't unsee. And I can't unsee that scene, especially as a mother now. I am just like... So to me, this is Sophie's choice. This is that moment, right, where he splits them up knowing he could lose all of them, but he's trying minimally to lose half of them. Or is there maybe a sense that he knows that Esau is going to be on a, you know, worried and wanting to attack, and so by, by splitting up... And just sort of sending little by little, he's sort of showing, look, I, we're, we're weak, we're not going to, we're not intimidating, we're just, com- we're going to just dribble in. And so that's what he's done with the gifts. Right. But now, that's it's his whole camp, did. everything he's got left, he takes over and splits up. Well, so he, de- I mean. For the night. Unless we haven't, you know, really seen what happened before, why he is coming back is to take over. I mean, why else? Did God tell him so? Or, you know, I mean, it was... Were things so bad? Or does the author just want to have a little conflict so they just send him back because there's nothing else happening? Well, Laura, you will need to write the several midrashim dealing with that very question. So we'll look forward to seeing those in the Huffington Post. I think somebody else has one. I think Blanche has one first. Oh, that's right. Blanche still owes us a midrash. All right. Rabbi, what is the uh, rationale, Laura? Is, Is there one for this uh, dream or this episode happening right here. It just seems like it was stuck in the narrative somewhere. All right, so let, let's, let's look at it, because you're, you're right, Ruben. We have to ask the question, why is this here? Right? Why did the final redactor leave this here, so, or put it here? So let's, let's look at it. So he takes them across the river, <clears throat> and what does he do? And so what he does is, he goes somewhere else apart from them, right? Because it says, Yaakov levado. So Yaakov is left alone, right? He sends them over, but he stays alone. ish imo. Do you hear that? Sounds Arabic. Right? So we've got Yaakov, the Yavik, at the Yabuk. <laughs> right? So, um, so what is this Yavik? So what happens? An Ish. What's Ish? Man. 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 A man, Yavik Imo, is, rest, like, engages with him. Right? So, um, tangles with him. This is his dream. <laughs> Wait, Diane, you can't, we don't know. You can't jump ahead yet. Stay with me. So he's alone, and we are to, all we're told is that he's, he's 
grabbed by uh, something that now struggles emo with him. Ad alot hashachar until the rising of the dawn. Yes, so it's nighttime. He struggles with some some ish until dawn. What does that mean? He's conscious. What? Literally, what does it mean? He didn't sleep. Suggested. He didn't sleep. Well, I thought. I'm assuming he did sleep, but I don't know. Ah, so Reuben's assuming he's asleep this whole time. I mean, it's the whole night. Okay. To me, it is. It reminds me of the struggle in the womb between Jacob and Esau, and now he's struggling on the night before he's going to meet. Beautiful, because before he's born, in the darkness. He's struggling with Asaph, right, all the time in Rivka's belly. This is why she goes to get the oracle, right, in the darkness. He comes out into the day, what's that, you know, birth, right? And now, right before he's going to, you know, need to deal with this new part of his life, he has a wrestling match going on, right, as he's approaching Asaph. All right, so uh, all night in the darkness again, he is... Struggling, he's wrestling. If folks are wrestling and they're really trying and they're wrestling for that long, what does it mean about them? Hmm? They're troubled. They're determined. They're troubled. They're persevering. They're troubled. What if it's an ish? What if it's a real ish that he's wrestling with? Strong. That Yaakov's strong enough to hold out. They're well matched. They're twins. You don't, you don't wrestle all night long if you're trying to win. Somebody wins after an hour. Are you kidding me? Right? Wrestling takes a lot out of you. got to be pretty well matched to go at it all night long and the sun is about to rise. And you're still going at it. Yes? So you're saying he's wrestling with his brother. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> He's wrestling an ish. That's all we're told in the text. We all jump to, this is his conscience, this is a dream, this is Esav, which of course is where we're going to go, but we're not there yet. He's wrestling an ish, is all the text tells us. A man. A person. That's all we know right now. Is it hot in here? All right, so he's wrestling this person, and then the morning is starting to, to happen, right? The dawn. Vayar kilo yachalo. And he saw that he wasn't able against him. Who's he? Who's he saw? We don't know. Because <laughs> you know, at the end of the sentence, it's the man. Yeah, but right now, exactly, Reuben. We don't know. He saw that he wasn't able against him. We don't have a verb for what the able what? Able... Your English is always going to fill in to prevail against him, right? This is always what the English does, right? So there's no prevail here in Hebrew. Lo yacholo. He wasn't able him. <clears throat> able what? Likely, this was an oral tradition, likely he wasn't able to him. Right? There's pro- there maybe is a missing gesture here that was used when it was an oral tradition. We don't know, but there's no verb here. He wasn't able to him, is what we have left. He was with himself, actually. Yeah. Diane, we're not going there yet. <laughs> he wasn't able something, you know, him against him. 
So he he wounded in his thigh of his leg. We still don't know who is who here. Vatek a kaf yerech Yaakov. Right? And so the 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 kaf, the the socket of his yerech, of his thigh, was injured. Who's Yaakov's? Alright, so now you have to go back to the beginning of that sentence to try to figure out who's who. So now we know if it's if it's Yaakov's Yerech, right? If it's Yaakov's thigh, then that means he saw, the Ish saw that he could not blah 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 against Yaakov. And so he, the Ish, wrenches Yaakov's thigh. Why? Why does he why does he damage his thigh? He wants to win. Or to leave a mark. avko yeah. imo. So, so let's let's listen to just the end of that sentence in Hebrew. Vatek a kaf yerech Yaakov avko imo. Right? You hear things in the Hebrew about the ways these these words play with each other. Vayomer, and he said, who said? We don't know yet. Vayomer, shalcheni ki Allah hashachar. Send me away, like, let me go, send me, ki Allah shachar, for the dawn is coming up. Vayomer, and he said, lo eshlechacha ki im berchatani, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is a weird, this is out of... He's a stranger, he's asking for a blessing. All right, so who's asking whom? Who's saying, let me go for the morning is risen? Well, here it says Jacob said. Ah, because your English stuck it in, right? right? Never trust those translations, right? So in the Hebrew, we don't know. He said, let me go for the morning has broken or is rising. Vayomer, and he said, I will not unless you bless me. Vayomer, Elav, and he said to him, Mashmecha, what is your name? Vayomer, Yaakov, and he said, Yaakov. All right, now we have to, again, go all the way back to the beginning of that sentence and see that means then, if the last speaker is Yaakov, that means the first person speaking is the Ish. Right? He said, meaning the Ish, let me go for the morning is coming. What the heck does the coming of the Shachar, of the dawn, have to do with let me go? You've been wrestling for... Eight hours. Why the shachar? What does the shachar have to do with let me go? It must be a vampire. Must be a vampire. <laughs> Funny you should say that, Laura Diamond. Vampires are not new. The mythology around something only being a creature of the night and not being able to tolerate the day is not New. It is very, very, very old. Right? Very good, Laura. Diamond. A, a plus today. I, I must be, I should be reading Twilight. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. So, Yaakov is at the Yabuk. Right? He's at the Yabuk. Everyone from his party has crossed over. Presumably, he's over here. 
right? So they've gone over, but he's the guy in charge. He's the guy who all this belongs to. He's the decision maker. He's the force. He's the power. <clears throat> Therefore, he's the one who's causing all of this crossing business. But he isn't crossed yet, right? Then some ish attacks him, sort of, and wrestles with him until the morning. Why the morning? Possibly this ish, of course it's not going to be an ish. We know the end of the story. It's not an ish. It's a thing. It's something that wrestles with him that seems to care about the sun coming up, right? So who has ever read Billy Goat's Gruff? What? Three Billy Goat's Gruff. Yeah. Ruben? Okay, I'm ashamed at y'all and your fairy tale. Yeah, they don't really? Yeah. They don't cross the water. Justin, do you know Three Billy Goats Gruff? Three. You have been raised right. <laughs> Alright, so what's the story of Three Billy Goats Gruff? The troll. The troll is under the bridge. Of course it is. Because every river, duh, has a river demon that protects it. And it says you don't cross you don't cross my river. This is the guy in charge of the crossing business. And Ish says, I don't think so. You have to beat me to cross my river. Right? Probably very old roots to this story. Right? Of a dangerous encounter with some kind of yabok thing. Right? So, so no one ever thinks that maybe he was wrestling with his own... Do you himself. think, really, that there's okay, going to be well. one interpretation? <laughs> <laughs> so really? That's kind of what really, I was Marta? thinking. It is. That's 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 really? Yeah, because here you've done something really All right, but we're, we're always going to go right to the roots and see what we see. Yes? You keep on saying that the man attacked Yaakov. Uh-huh. The English here says Jake, uh, uh, a man wrestled with him. Uh -huh. Does the Hebrew indicate that the man attacked him? You know, it's not attack, but presumably Yaakov is alone, vulnerable, in the dark, with his family over there. It's, it just seems a little <clears throat> unlikely that Yaakov would initiate, but it the says, it says and, and the Ish, the Ish engaged with him, oh, so the ish, Imo, with, with him. So it was the Ish that acted, acted first. Probably two Yes, and an ish engaged okay, with him. Ish engaged him. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so, so he says to the ish. So the ish says, "Let me go. You have to let me go. The dawn is." In English, we say breaking. In Hebrew, it's rising. Right? It's coming up. Vayomerlo. And Yaakov says to him, I won't let you go unless you give me a bracha. Reuben, what's that about? Well, that's what I want to know. <laughs> 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 so he... I won't let you go, says Yaakov, unless you give me your bracha. He's collecting a lot of blessings. He's collecting a lot of flashbacks. Flashback, right? 
This is Yaakov's MO, isn't it? This is how Yaakov works in the world. His authority, his power, all rests on that bracha from someone else. It's also a bit of manipulation right there mm-hmm. to make him say, oh, I see you as so important, I need a blessing from you, but his ulterior motive is to pass. Yeah, it's a reach, isn't it? So, <laughs> so remember in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East, blessings and curses had actual power. Right? You set up a, an alarm trigger system that once I do X, I, I activate the blessing or the curse, literally. So if he, can, if he can wrangle a bracha from this thing that's strong enough to wrestle him till morning, then, hmm, right? That might be a powerful thing to have, right? And now he's got some leverage. The dawn's breaking, this thing's getting nervous. Yaakov knows he's got an opportunity. And what does Yaakov always do? Manipulates the opportunity. So says, I don't think so. Not until you give me a bracha. So, of course, what does the next question have to be from this thing? If I'm going to give you a blessing, what do I have to know? I have to know your name. I must know your name. Because names, we've talked about this a lot, names are not just designations. They are the way to call forth your essence. The essence of you, right, Justin? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, he has to know his name if he's going to do this business of really brachaim. Is the blessing, though, possibly also his... His Jacob's way of making sure he gets safe passage over. I mean, it might just be saying, hey, troll, if you bless me, I know I'm going to get across this dangerous thing. It's not necessarily, I've got you now, I get your blessing. Not only get across, but... To all the way, survive. Because he's going to, he's about to encounter... Yeah. Asav and 400 men, armed, we can assume. It's interesting that totally in character, Asav, who, he comes with his men... He comes with his face. He's there to meet Yaakov, and Yaakov sends somebody up. <laughs> nice. And Very then nice. Yaakov hangs around trying to manipulate while Esau is out there saying, okay, you want to fight? I'm here. Very nice. So Esau uh, is like, what you see is what you get, right. right? I'm pretty straightforward. I'm pretty clear. And Yaakov is always trying to, right? Right? He sends somebody else. Here's some presents. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> So, Vayomerlo. So now he says to him, Yaakov. Right? He tells him, My name is Yaakov. Oh, sorry, I'm 29. Vayomerlo. Sorry. It's Vayomerlo, not Vayomerlo. So, Vayomerlo, Yaakov, Yeamer od Shimcha, Kiim Yisrael. He says, Hmm? He says, It's his portion, he's singing it. Oh, good. He's chanting it over here. Excellent. You're ready then, right? You're not going to be nervous tomorrow then, right? All right, good. So he says, not Yaakov will you be called anymore. Ki'im Yisrael, but Yisrael. Ki sarita im Elohim ve'im anashim vatuchal. For you have striven, wrestled with Elohim, and Anashim. 
Anashim is people. We know what Elohim is. So you have striven with Elohim and with people, vatuchal, and you have been able. What were we told about the Ish? Lo tuchal lo. He wasn't able against him. You, Yaakov, have striven with Elohim and Anashim vatuchal. And were able. Ruben? What, what, what? What are we going to do now? Turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Elohim. <laughs> Elohim is an unusual word here. It's translated beings divine, but Elohim is a name for a singular name for God, but it's plural. So if we were reading in English, what would be our cue that this is God or gods? It, it could be neither. Could be neither? Yeah, because we don't know who... This Ish is talking, and he's saying you have wrestled with God. But he doesn't say I'm God. Right. So who... So, you have striven, Yaakov, with Elohim. How in English would we know if the Ish is talking about God or gods? Capitalized. Thank you. We would have a capital E if it's talking about God. We would have, or a big G, right? Or a little G. We don't have that Q in Hebrew. The, the Torah has no punctuation. Nachon. No punctuation. No capital letters. We have no idea what this means. Is it beings divine or is it Elohim? But isn't Elohim plural? Elohim is a plural God word. Elohim is God. That's one name for God and it's plural. Yes. So this is where, you know, the theory is that it is a remnant, right, of a time of polytheism where all those gods in the pantheon get smished into one and then, so it remains a plural for God. Is it still plural in Deuteronomy, which is so one God? It, it's never plural when it's referring to God. Ever. We think. We think. <laughs> so the verbs used of Elohim are never plural. But it's like oh. the... This, how, what, give me an example in English. The waters... Do we... Where's a plural that we treat as a singular? Okay, we say the government is. The government the British is. British say the government are. Really? Yes. That's interesting. The government are closed today? Yes, we say the government is. All right, I'm going to have to think about that for a while. So, but there are some English words that are plural, but they mean a singular, and we refer to it as a singular. Well, they are right. Yes, they all right, so. All right, because the government, even though there's not an S on the end, refers to multiple entities and that's a plural yeah but you would say it doesn't sound the like community language, is outraged mm -hmm. even though it represents a lot of different people you're right in american english however in english you would say the community oh, are. the community is <laughs> growing <laughs> not are okay so that's a perfect example the community is growing the community implies lots of people, but we refer to it as the singular. That's what Elohim is. Elohim is angry. You know what? I see it both ways. I can see it both ways, but technically, technically, no, I get it. I would never say the community are. But if you sit down and think about 
what it like like when you study a romance language like Spanish. La gente es. La gente <coughs> es. But if you say if you say like uh, Juan y Sarita, you go to the you go to the plural. You go to the they. Okay. So whatever the case, I see it both ways. Whatever the, it doesn't matter. What what matters is in Hebrew, Elohim is a plural. We don't have a capital Aleph or a lowercase Aleph, so we never know. Is it referring to Elohim or like gods that are not God? Just by the context. We have to find it in context. So we have that with Adonai too. It's not a plural, but we don't know. Is it? Yeah. You're my servant, you know, or... Exactly. Well, but I thought you, the answer was, you look at the verb, is the, because the, in Hebrew, the, the verb... So that's part of, singular so that's part of so the context. The hint is, okay, it, it's, a, it's a case so, where the, the noun was plural and the verb was right. singular. So this is one of those places where the context doesn't fix it for us. <laughs> right? The context doesn't fix it. There's no verb. <laughs> You have striven, singular, because it's you, masculine, singular, have striven with. Now we get what, what Yaakov has striven with, and you have, your English is going to say prevailed. Right? Linda? But if this is the east, he might be talking about more than one God. If it's, say that again? Correct. Exactly. So that's what Reuben, right, I think was saying, is that if the Ish is talking, the Ish might, might have a pantheon that the Ish is referencing. But it's interesting that the Ish is saying, you have striven with them. What does that mean? Yaakov doesn't have a pantheon that he's in relationship to. So what does it mean he has striven with divine beings? Maybe the Ish himself is a divine being. Maybe the Ish himself is a divine being. This is where a lot of the commentators go, right? The Ish is referring to itself. And that the Ish is, in fact, a Malach. This is what you see represented in art. The Ish is a Malach. It's a divine being. Yaakov is striving with an angel. Okay. One interpretation. You're not happy with that, Reuben? Uh, I'm not, not happy. Oh, okay. Maybe the other divine, another divine being is himself. And when it says divine beings, it's referring to both of them. Okay, Diane. <laughs> it could mean himself. I think he was drawing with the conscious of himself. With his own conscious. I somehow knew you were going to go there. <laughs> you know, and, and that, I think it, that's what it means altogether, because there's a part of him, especially when we talked about what it was in the womb and what he is now and the, 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 the blessing that is we talk about and he asked for a blessing again. He has issues with blessing, of course. <laughs> so he has blessing that, issues. Yeah, he's got blessing issues. And I, I, I look at it this way. So he had that struggle that he had with his conscious that he prevailed that he was still able to So what's the what's the blessing? Well he becomes Israel he becomes strong again. He knows how to go into across the water. He knows to get himself. himself. Yeah, but he had to figure out exactly how to do it. He has struggled with it, but.
but he, he had to outsmart his brother and how to do it. That's why he said all the gifts and all, you know, it's all of that stuff. So if he's already figured out how to do it, what's this wrestling he's, about? He's wrestling because there's a part of him that is also uh, insecure, or I'm not sure what you call, what you call that, <clears throat> that he's not 100% sure. And he had to come to terms with that within his own conscience and why. So there's still something left. He, set, he sets up the plan, but now, come morning, he's got to yes. act. Yes. And there's something left that he has to wrestle down What's still. Exactly. It's demons. It's, it's like not everything is perfect for him. Not everything comes so easily. Yes, he's, he's gone off the last 20 years and he's become a wealthy man, but he still has that dangling black cloud and that's what happened with his brother. And he's wrestling with that. What is the black cloud? I just think it's, it's, you know, even though things go perfectly in life, for, or it looks like they go perfectly in life for people, they don't always. And they have things that they struggle with. And it looks from the outside that it's all perfect, but, but it never really is. And, and I think that the wrestling is him wrestling with, his own thoughts, right? Justin. So are you saying that these wealthy people in these huge houses overlooking the ocean have problems, Nicole? They've got more <laughs> problems than you or I can find. Trust me, they right. do. Well, because we have that all our life. And you know what? We Who's problemless? This is what I want. You go, it's like, who, is pro who do you know anybody who has no problems? Do you know anyone who's perfect? Like I say to Justin all the time, you know, we love him, we think the world of him, and I'm sure he interprets that as uh, he has to be perfect because we think he's perfect, but there's no perfection. And <clears throat> Say that to him again. Listen, there Justin. Is that, <laughs> I, I have told him this. There's, I don't think you have to be perfect. I never want that kind of pressure on you because you go high and low across this world across all the continents, and you are not going to find a perfect person. Amen. Lois, you had your hand up? Well, I was just saying, he's, he's wrestling because once he crosses that river, he has to decide what he's going to do. In terms of? Well, is he he's going to come face to face with his brother, and what's he going to do? Is he going to embrace him, or is he going to do the opposite? So it's all theoretical, but once he crosses, he's committed. He's now all in. Well, he's, this is the night before he's coming back to the scene of the crime, so to speak. So he has wrestled coming out of the womb, and he, in fact, stole the birthright. And so now he's coming back, and he's wrestling, did I do the right thing? And now I'm coming back again and again with the wrestling. Okay, so returning to the scene of the crime, he's going back to what he always has to do at home. He always has to wrestle at home, Mickey. Well, he's facing possible death. Hmm? He's facing possible death. He's facing possible death. And he's got to struggle with himself and with God struggling. I mean, he's, he's got to spend that whole night thinking about his whole life. Because the next day, 
He's about to undergo surgery. He's about to deliver a baby. Right? Those moments where we confront that in the morning, right, it might mean death. That's a very serious night, isn't it? There's a lot that goes on that night. When you know in the morning, you could be dealing with your end. But what really caused him to flee was uh, stealing the blessing. Yeah. And that's where this wrestling match ends with the blessing. Is getting a blessing, which basically says, okay, you sort of won. (laughs) So to me, this is, you know, what if. That God said, you know, the, 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 the teaching, so to speak, that was supposed to be in here is God saying, all right, it's going to turn out okay. Don't we have that? Now, why he says that, I'm sure there's a lot of discussion about, uh, you know, even though you did all these terrible things, I, this each mysterious each is going to really say, you win. You win. Well, I think that, That's my that it's interesting because he, he may be part of the struggle is feelings of guilt for what he'd done. Guilty, I should, did, did I do the right thing by mm-hmm. stealing the blessing? And by ending it with a blessing, it kind of confirms you're legitimate. You got it. So own so it. So bookends. Yeah. He gets the blessing to be the patriarch and then has to leave the patriarchate as a result. Mm-hmm. So coming back... When he's going to come into that place where he could, could and should be the patriarch, he needs a bracha to take him into that legitimate position again. Nice. Linda? Um, I think about the word struggle and the idea that the Jewish people always struggle with the concept of God and how I feel like what, what, what's being said to Jacob is you are in for the game you are able to struggle. You are able to deal with the fact that there are no easy answers. You are able to deal with the fact that it's, it's always going to require, um, you know, we're never going to have this perfect answer. There's no perfect eternity. There's no, it's not like that for Jews. So what we I hear you saying, Linda. We struggle with the definition of God. We struggle with why bad things happen. We struggle with yeah. our conscience. And he's and he wants the blessing because we struggle with God, but we want God to say it's okay too. We, you know, that's just kind of how I feel like it is to be Jewish. Like he's being very Jewish. Yisah, he struggles. <laughs> so Linda's lifting up what his name has changed to. Yisah El, you represent Yaakov, the one who struggles, wrestles El, God. That we are, and who are we? We are B'nai Yisrael. We are the descendants of Israel. That's what we call ourselves. This story doesn't come out of nowhere. This story is read backwards onto the mythic patriarch from a people who already calls itself Yisrael. It's written by a people who calls itself Yisrael. And they write and read and tell this story backwards. Yes? About Yaakov. Our name doesn't come from here. Mapitum, right? So how did the elephant get its trunk? Right? We all, we all know this, but that's the gorgeousness of this story for me. The people already call themselves the descendants of the one who struggles and wrestles God. 
That's how we self-identify. Not the children, the descendants of the big, strong, powerful, smart one, right? Or the successful one or the Nordic godlike ones, right? We call ourselves the descendants of the one who wrestles ill. What the heck kind of name for a people is that? Right? At the center of this people has always been, Linda, like you said beautifully, there's always been a willingness to struggle with the uncertainty of it all, the unknowability of it all. The, our name for God, our proper name for God, is isness, wasness, will beness that you can't pronounce. <laughs> what, what does it mean to have a name for God? Yud hey vav hey, that has you can't pronounce it. How is that a name? Because it 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 holds so beautifully the enigma that we understand reality to be. And that our self-definition as a people is that that's who we are. We are folk who are ready to struggle with that. Face it head on and wrestle from it a bracha. Because that's what this is about. This whole human business and this whole business of being together as a community is about wrestling our relationship to the all of it. And it's going to hurt. Yaakov gets wounded and Yaakov limps away from this wrestling match because it hurts. And we get wrenched and we get torn and we get broken. And we hang in there anyway. What people has been hurt and wrenched as, much as, as long as the Jewish people? And we hang in there anyway and somehow miraculously we manage to wrangle from it all a bracha. Because here y'all sit, 3,000 years later. Engaging. Beautiful. This is the bracha. I read a commentary that connects this with the dream about the stairway at the beginning, where uh, Yaakov's whole trip, the two bookends on it, are a dream at the beginning and this all-night wrestling at the end, and that it really is a spiritual journey of which this is the culmination and his transformation. He was, at the beginning, if you remember the dream, he was completely passive, in the sense that he saw the angels going up and down, and by the end of this, in this particular struggle, he is totally engaged. And he comes out not perfect, he comes out limping, but this is how he becomes Yisrael, which I thought was a, I forget, I should remember. They were called on? I should remember who, who's, is that a, a common analysis of this? That he's, yeah, that he's grown, right? Yeah, this, this is, this is, this is part is, of his transformation. Mm -hmm. his, part of his spiritual transformation is that he has to fully engage, right? That it happens to him mm -hmm. in the other dream. In this one, um, if we call it a dream, if it's a vision, then he, um, he, he gets it that he, he is called on to fully engage, and it's only then that his identity becomes fulfilled as Israel. The spiritual teachings are that he, he comes out whole. You know, this is when he comes out of this whole. That's the name change, which is an interesting. They play on the Hebrew, I forget exactly how. Roseanne? But how come it isn't consistently changed? I mean, he's called Jacob later on. Both traditions remain side by side. Right? There are moments he's Yaakov, 
There are moments he's Israel, and don't think the rabbis don't spend a lot of time discussing why it's Israel here and why it's Yaakov there. But, but I mean, the reality is both traditions lived side by side in the text, just like we have two different versions of the creation story and the Noah story, right, side by side, because for the final redactor, you have to have both traditions represented, the Yisrael tradition and the Yaakov tradition. But I think the reason it's, it was workable to le- leave them there is that we're not always our fulfilled, changed, spiritually mature selves, right, after that wrestling match, right? We... We move back and forth between being Yaakov and being Yisrael. And, but the rabbis have a really good time with. Here, it's, it's Yaakov because... Yes? Uh, going back to what, how you explained Israel and the struggles and all that, it, just a side commentary. It, it really is amazing when you think about when you go to Israel today and you think about what you just said. Mm. Because if you're just an average person going to Israel, going for vacation reasons, you would come back and you would say, oh my God, these people know how to have fun. Mm -hmm. It is crazy. I mean, I I would tell you, it is crazy fun, Israel. Mm -hmm. They're really fun, really energetic, very uh, panina, very happy, very like, you know, but like this morning on the news report, they're like quietly in this little town near the Philippines where nobody else is, under the radar came in the Israelis. And they came in with no fanfare. They just got to work. They're known to be the best medics in the world. They just do their stuff. They get in, they get out, they're di- and they go back to, it's like they, the struggles, yes, the seriousness, yes, but they have fun too. They really, I mean, they are really, it's amazing what has come from that struggle. So do you know any deeper joy or celebration than people who have been through hell? <laughs> right? I mean, you, no. you can party in college. Justin, you will not. <laughs> but you can have a good time and fun and party in college, but it's not until you have suffered Oh. That you really know fun. how to celebrate, right? Right, and, right. And fun. Well, I say that all the time mm-hmm. about my college education. I went to UC Berkeley, and it was very serious. Mm-hmm. It was academically very serious. Sunday through <laughs> Thursday, but come Thursday, Friday, mm-hmm. fun, 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 more fun than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it, 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 it mirrors. It's like a polar opposite, but somehow. One makes the other strong. And it's just amazing. Like when I think to, I mean, the adjective I would use leaving Israel today is like fun, fun, party town. (laughs) Party, party, late night, lots of, you know, I mean, it's just totally fun. Right, it's a culture that digs into life. They dig into life. Because any day, the pizza parlor where their teenager is could blow up. Blow up. Could blow up. It's right. interesting right. that you say that. I come, coming from where I come from, we're in the country, we have to struggle even to go to school. When you go to 20 below zero, life is hard. Where I is this? In, in, in Chambly, in, in Quebec. Okay. So I come from the part where it, life was hard, very hard. But when we had fun, we beat 
anybody. <laughs> I swear to God, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dancing, drinking, eating, name it. We had, they call it the joie de vivre. That's not for nothing. It's because life was so damn hard. Right. So, you, so the opposite, exactly what you're saying. But I think it's also your payoff in some way. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's interesting what you're saying about terrible struggle and having fun. I, when I worked, I used to work with Holocaust survivors, and we had a program called Cafe Europa, which is a social program. And when we had parties, and they're still having parties, they're going to have a Hanukkah party in a couple of weeks, it was so much fun. And people would ask me, how can you work with Holocaust survivors? They're fun parties. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wish. There's a serious and side, and sometimes it's a heartbreaking thing. But when they party, it is. Sounds very tiring. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben, you're 90, so you t Ruben, take a break. You just had a big party, today. so take a break, and then you'll be ready again to party. Ruben, you're on fire today. <laughs> Pam? Yeah, I'm I'm getting back to the text a little bit. This business of the text. The text. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, crazy. Uh, we're talking about. This business about. of naming is so important. And that first we think it's an each, and then maybe some river troll, and then now Malach, who is giving um, this thing the authority to change Yaakov's name. Right. Yeah. That's right. So, right. So let's so let's look at the text. Right. So, verse thirty. Al Yaakov. So and Yaakov asks, "He got nashmecha. Please tell me your name." Vayomer, lamazetish alishmi. And so the being answers. Why is this that you are asking my name? Hmm. And this thing blesses Yaakov there, right? So, um, why, why are you asking my name? My translation says, you must not ask my name. That's not what the Hebrew says. Why this? Right? Why do you want to know? Quickly gives Yaakov a blessing and gets out of there. Right? So, does not want to be exposed. <clears throat> or, it's nameless. Right? It doesn't have a name. It's Yaakov's shadow. What, however we want to go, the thing does not reveal its name, but instead grants Yaakov the blessing. Vayikrai Yaakov shem hamakom. This is to answer your question. And Yaakov calls the name of hamakom. Huh, where did we have a makom, Bert Kleinman? Back in the, uh, that was where Yaakov was at the beginning with the uh, ladder. The ladder vision happens at the makom that we talked about last week. He slams into that makom, makom being a place, right, of all that we talked about last week. Listen to the podcast if you'd like. So he names hamakom the place. So this is another one of those kinds of places. Peniel, the face of God. Kiraiti Elohim Panim El Panim, for I saw God face to face, 
Fatina tzel nafshi. But my soul, or not my soul, myself, capital S, myself was preserved, was saved. So, again, Elohim, we don't know if it's God's or God, but this is Yaakov. It's a story about our patriarch. We can presume he's referencing El. He's Pani El. He's naming the place face of God, for I have seen Elohim face to face and somehow have managed to survive it. So in Yaakov's experience, who has the authority here? God. It is God who changes his name. That is Yaakov's understanding of what has happened. That he's just wrestled with God. That he has just somehow encountered. Now, is that because it was God he was wrestling with? Well, you might think so, given his name change. That certainly would indicate that. But it doesn't explicitly say that in the text. It says he understands whatever has just happened as encountering God face to face. Now, is that because the only way we really get to the heart of reality is wrestling ourselves, wrestling our shadow, wrestling our fear? That is ultimately the only way we come to really know the face of God? Is it, I saw God face to face, meaning that's who he was wrestling? Gum to gum. Also and also. Do the rabbis address the question of the motivation of this man, or or we can we can now say it was God? But what would be God's motivation for doing it? It's a good question. Um, offhand, I can't think of any midrashim. It is the story of Jacob and this this man or this person or God or whatever is peripheral to the story. But you have to ask the question. Mm-hmm. So, why, why would God want to do this? What I, what I sometimes come to is how intimate wrestling is. Right? Th- think about wrestling. Often it's part of lovemaking, right? You know, this kind of, or you're playing with your child and wrestling, right? You don't wrestle just anybody. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, if you, when brothers wrestle, you know, you only wrestle with people you're really ready to be extraordinarily close to. I mean, unless it's, a battle, right? Um, so for me, like, there's this sense of um, if there's a motivation on the part of God, it seems to be one of, of engaging really intimately with Yaakov and allowing a push-pull with Yaakov that really is our, you know what I mean, uh, that dynamic of relationship. But, I, you know, uh, more, more than that, I, I don't. I can't off the top of my head reference. Well, it's, it's interesting. I was looking at the commentary, and so now Jacob is injured, and he approaches his brother limping. So he, <coughs> in a way, this is protecting Jacob because now Esau sees him not as a strong person coming towards him, but limping and weak, physically but not in his character. So when we're coming into confrontation, possible conflagration, if we come full on, Amy Bernstein, um, sometimes not exactly the greatest approach, right? (laughs) What we learn, if we pay attention, um, is that it's when we show up and reveal our own vulnerability our own woundedness, 
when we come from that place in a good way, right? Not We can come out of our woundedness in a way that's really ugly. But if we come out of our vulnerability and our woundedness and, and expose that, often what it does is it lowers, doesn't it? The tension, the tension and the temperature in the room, right? Immediately by us sitting back and going into our vulnerability and allowing that to be our dominant posture, it can write just that can, you know, undo, you know, the hair trigger of, of conflict that, that is right there at the surface. And I, I mean, I think that's a very important point. I think it's a beautiful teaching about, about, about Yaakov here. And it, it's interesting that right after this, which I hope you'll get to. We're not. Oh, <laughs> oh maybe. Well, we, we have to close. So it we'll says that's why the children don't eat meat okay, from the that sciatic, The sciatic nerve that it's uh, a part of kashrut that actually has a reason. No. That is given a reason. Thank that you. That is given a reason. In the <laughs> Thank you, Bert. And a little bit of trivia, I heard this is actually one of only three mitzvot in the whole book of Bereshit. The other two in terms of not eating something. What? No. I, I don't understand. We don't eat this part of the animal. It's hard to read. We don't eat this on an animal. No? No, it's not kosher. Rump is not kosher. That's a shot to Chateaubriand is not kosher, although some rule that now they can... Wait, I'm getting there. So it, there's some rulings that say if you remove the entire sciatic nerve, it is kosher. Other authorities say, mm-mm. mm-mm. It's not just about the sciatic nerve. It's about this portion of the animal. No, can't do it. So... If you're if you're telling stories about <laughs> our traditions and why we don't eat this, it's not at all unusual. <laughs> How did the elephant get its trunk? Why do we care? Mm-hmm. But we tell those stories, don't we? <laughs> right? what? How did how did the skunk get its stripe? Right? We this we tell dry. those stories, yeah. but but actually, I mean, if you think about it, the, the reason that they didn't eat this part was because there was the site, like Mickey said, the sciatic nerve runs through it. The anthropological, you know, explanation is that that was originally thought to be part of the sexual organs, and so you don't eat, according to our tradition, it was taboo to eat the sexual organs of an animal, right? Because probably that would have been used in a lot of fertility rites in pagan cultures, right? So if you don't eat that, sciatic nerve is part of that, you don't eat it. That's probably where it originates. But they're going to reconstruct that. Do you think it's kind of a backstory? Like a way of the Israelites are reconstructing that practice. What? We don't eat that, not be- because it's part of the sexual organs, God forbid, we don't, that's silly, we know that's not true. We don't eat it because, right? It's, it's reconstructionism right here. They're reforming the tradition. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday Morning Torah Study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.